Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. ACB in Action, where the heart and soul of ACB shines. I am so excited that you've decided to join us tonight. And I am Cindy Hollis. I am the Membership Services Coordinator with the American Council of the Blind and so delighted to not only have all of you listening in, but to have four very special people sitting at my virtual table with me. Tonight, I have asked four very special leaders to join us. Uh, These are people that have been pivotal in the activities of our community events over the past three and a half months. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this for three and a half months, but we have, and I think you will recognize many of the voices if you've been involved in uh, the community calls at all, and we're going to learn more about them, and we're going to just kick it off by doing introductions just like we do at our coffee social. So I am going to go by birth month. So everybody knows when they were born. And when I say the month you were born, say your first name and I'll respond and let you know if uh, you're good to go. Uh, I want you to say your name, where you live, and when you joined ACB and whether it was at a local chapter level, state or special interest affiliate level, and so on. So let's start with the month of February. Do we have any February birthdays? Mika. Mika, go ahead. Hi, my name is Mika White, and I live in Federal Way, Washington. And I actually joined ACB when I lived in Georgia. Um, I didn't really know very much about it, except that my math teacher said, you should join ACB, and that, that's the one thing that I got from math class. Um, <laughs> and so I joined through a, a local chapter in Augusta. And what year was that? Uh, that was in 1999. Oh, I'm sure that was a really good year. It was. <laughs> Thank you, Mika. All right, and we're going to just jump around because we can, and so we're going to jump over to July. Do we have any July birthdays besides me? Tyson. All right, Tyson. Hi there, everybody. Uh, My name is Tyson Ernst, and I live in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, I came to ACB in 2017 through the State Affiliates State Conference. All right, so you're a member of Illinois Council. Correct. All right. Thank you. And do we have any April birthdays? That would be me. Who's me? (laughs) This is Melanie Pesco, and I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I first um, started attending ACB functions a few years ago um, when uh, Kim was a – Kim Charleston was um, the – representative that came to our state convention gosh I think it was like in 17 maybe and but I was kind of in and out and out I didn't really do a whole lot until over the course of the last year I've been much more involved and um yeah so I would say I've really been involved this last year 
So did you join the affiliate or did you join a chapter when you um, Both. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah, I've been involved in our, our Kentucky affiliate and our greater Louisville chapter really work pretty closely together. And um, so I, I'm a member of both as well as some other Perfect. chapters. All right. And do we have any June birthdays? Indeed, we do. Um, my name is Phil Jones, and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I became a member of ACB in 1985. I joined the then Mid-Atlanta chapter. Atlanta had three local chapters at that time, and uh, I attended a few meetings before I joined in 1985. I'm now in the East Georgia chapter, which is an Atlanta area chapter. Very good. You beat me by one year. I joined the organization in 1986. So, all right, Phil, we're going to start with you. Would you please tell us a little bit about your family? Just, you know, I don't know. Are you married? Do you have children, grandchildren, uh, siblings, whatever you want to share? Okay, well, first of all, I'm, uh, I am single. I have been all my life, and uh, I, I do have plenty of nieces and nephews and grandnieces and grandnephews now who, that are just bringing me so much joy and, and brought so much joy to my life. I have two sisters, one older, one younger, so I'm the middle kid. And, you know, <laughs> uh, that middle child syndrome sometimes, but anyway... Man, I'm a middle uh, child too, Phil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that middle one, yeah, that sure is. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, I was born blind uh, due to uh, an octave nerve not being developed. Well, I, at least that's uh, all I was told. Uh, how it all happened, I don't know, but I've been totally blind all of my life. And. Um, other, there have been other members of my family who were blind also. I had, an, I had an uncle who was blind. I don't know whether he was born blind or not. And my cousin, who was about a year older than me, uh, was sighted until she was five years old. And for no real reason that anybody knew of, she lost her sight. So that's as far as the uh, blindness extends. Well, I um, all I know is if I could have you as my uncle, I would love to have an Uncle Phil. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and I have a feeling that there's a lot of people out there that would love to have an Uncle Phil. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> let's move over to Thank Melanie. You. And Melanie, why don't you share a little bit about your family? Okay. Well, I have been married to Mike for 20 years. Well, almost 21 years. And um, we have two children. Megan is um, now a, oh my goodness, she's going to be a junior in college. And um, Peyton is uh, in, he's entering the eighth grade this year. Um, And both of my children inherited my uh, eye condition, which is um, congenital cataract synglacoma. Um. We have two boxers. They're the loves of our lives. And uh, gosh, um, yeah, that's my family. (laughs) All right. Very good. Thank you, Melanie. Mm -hmm. And 
Tyson, why don't you go next? Sure. Uh, I am a single dad of two adult children. Uh, I have a daughter who lives in Kansas, and she's 25. I have a son who lives here in Springfield with me, and he's 19, going to be 20 here in just a few short months. I grew up uh, with, uh, with my grandparents on my mom's side, pretty much being my primary raising family. Uh, my mom was my mom lived with us for a long time, but she was doing her own thing, and she was a single mom. Uh, and I lived with them and until I got married, went in the service. Not okay. in that order. Yeah. <laughs> and what is the cause of your vision loss? My vision loss is due to MS, multiple sclerosis. Uh, I was fully sighted up until the age of 35. It, in uh, 2004, I had noticed that uh, I was watching TV, and I went to, to, to kind of rub my, my, my uh, left eye, or I'm sorry, my right eye, and I noticed that I couldn't see the TV. It was just a faint glow out of my left eye. And I kind of reluctantly went to the hospital that night because I'm like, ah, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Of course, I'm a guy. I'm bullheaded. <laughs> and they said, no, nope, you got you have optic nerve atrophy really bad. And I was sent to the ophthalmologist. They didn't know what was wrong, what was wrong. I went through CAT scans. Uh, finally, at the end of 2005, almost an exact year later, I was teaching because I was a teacher at that point. And I noticed the lights were dim in my classroom. I covered up my left eye, which at that point was, was finger-waving only. And sure enough, it looked like someone was drawing down the shades. And I thought that there were, a light bulb had went out and stuff like that. So within 10 days of that, of that my left eye, or my right eye, rather, decreased to um, gross object detection. Um, and I can read things that if they're blown up to about the size of my head. Mm. So within a year, and and that was uh, and that was at the age of thirty six. Wow, that's quite a quite a transitional time, right? It that's, was. It was yeah, tough. yeah. Mika, tell us about your family life, and yeah. So um, I am the child of of military personnel. So I like to say I'm a military brat, and now I'm just a brat. <laughs> True. Yeah, see. <laughs> so, um my parents both live in um in Georgia and I have a younger brother and a stepmom um that I haven't met but who is just amazing and really I'm really close to. Um and then my, my mom who is like Wonder Woman. <laughs> um she's she is just amazing and then of course um, and then, of course, I also claim your family. <laughs> True enough. Um, so your daughters. They claim you too. <laughs> I love them. So your daughters are my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to just mention that um, when I, my, my vision loss, I have just enough vision to be dangerous, but not enough to be particularly useful. So, you know, if there's a can with some food, with a good label in large enough print for someone else, I can read it. If it's something in my pantry, I can't. <laughs> um, and I have something called sclero, sclerocornea, which is the hardening of the, of the cornea. But I don't know that, I don't really know that it 
was really a big deal for me because when I was growing up, my mom never really made it a big deal. Very good. And the next question, Mika, you're going to kick this one off. Um, What do you do for work or did you do or do you hope to do? And I know you do work, so, well, currently not, but um, but you still – have a job exactly <laughs> yes yes I do what did you do before the pandemic <laughs> well <laughs> went out to places <laughs> for work, um, I, for work. I, I work at the lighthouse for the blind in Seattle and I am a contact center representative so I work in our contact center I we have different projects that we work on but um, my favorite projects have really been um, the lighthouses reaching out to people who are either newly blind or who have been blind for some time and who need extra independent living skills. And so um, I get to take, I get to do intakes for people and talk with people and just, and give resources and really let them know that blindness is not, um, it's, it's not the, it's not the end and that they still have a life. And what I hope to do is, to teach assistive technology. All right. Phil, do you want to take this one next? What I know you're retired now, but what did you do for a living? Well, for many years, um, in fact, uh, for most of my career, for all of my career, in fact, I was in radio broadcasting. I worked at a student radio station at uh, Georgia State University here in Atlanta for several years where I did everything from DJ to newscaster to uh, production. And then uh, for 37 and a half years, I worked as a producer and programming consultant for the Georgia Radio Reading Service. And I retired in August of 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, mm, Tyson, how about you? Uh, Let's see. Um, I am currently (laughs) self-unemployed because I work for myself and I can't find work. So that's, you know, that's how that goes. Uh, I have been a teacher since the age of 16 in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I taught... Uh, music. I taught drum lessons out of my garage when I was 16 years old for cash. And then later on, I, I became uh, a teacher in the high school system, teaching high school level marching band drums and percussion. I taught there in that in that foray for 20 years. I uh, did that. I was in uh, medicine. I was a, an x-ray technician and a medical assistant at the urgent care level for 10 years before I moved on to teaching medical assisting for three years. And that was, I ended that career along with my eyesight. Reinvented myself. Uh, I worked for Cal State Northridge, the infamous CSUN. I worked in their universal design department for a year, uh, being their screen reader tester for websites across the CSU campus, uh, projects for the state of California, uh, multi-state projects on campus accessibility and then I uh, I left that job because they didn't have the money to fund a full-time position 
uh, at what they wanted to. And they're like, well, I can't give you what you want. Or I can't give you what I think you deserve. And I'm like, I'll take whatever you have. And they're like, no, we can't do it. But uh, I ended up falling into a position of my, my teaching chops came into play and I got hooked up uh, because I am a veteran. I was at the veterans and the, the VA hospital blind rehab center in Long Beach and fell in with a couple of the instructors there. And they said, you're really good at teaching this. You should be a teacher. I said, I think I should be too. They tried to go through it. I didn't have the degree work to get into rehab into rehabilitation. So my VIST coordinator at the time, a, a wonderful woman named Cheryl Schoberg found an end run around by saying, well, you can be an independent contractor and you can go out to people's home and just teach them there instead of having to, you know, being employed at the VA and having to show up there every day. We'll just give you contracts. And so I did that for a couple of years until I moved out here and I'm still trying to get that set up uh, out this way because it's not, it's not the, it's not the most difficult, but there's not a lot of veterans in and around this area who are visually impaired. And public right. transit. Public well, maybe transit somebody out there knows about a job that they can tell you about. So, very good. Thank you, Tyson. Melanie, tell us yeah. about where you work. Well, I'm currently employed at the American Printing House for the Blind, and I have I have, I am very, very, very blessed to work there. It is a wonderful company to work for. And uh, I do um, work similar to Mika in that I am similar, not the same, but I think we probably do some of the same things. Um, I am an information referral specialist. So that means um, when people reach out to us either on the phone or via email uh, and they are struggling with uh, any, any issues related to vision, um, we get a lot of people who are seniors and newly blind. So we um, get them connected with their state agencies and offer different resources and referrals. And then we also have um, a few websites that we refer them to. We've published some material just to kind of help get them started navigating the whole um, system of blindness programs and services. Um, And then there are a bunch of other things we do too, but those are the main things. How long and I started there, there yeah. this year in 2020, at the very beginning of 2020 in January. Oh, wow. Prior to that, mm-hmm, prior to that, I did some contract work for the Environmental Protection Agency, doing some assistive technology training. Um, and I have done just various jobs in between rearing children. And um, I completed my bachelor's degree in communication, and I have a master's degree in public health. Very good. Um, Now I'm going to open this up to anyone who wants to respond. So share a time when you had to advocate for yourself. What was the driving factor causing you to take action? And like what actually happened? Anybody want to share? Um, I will take that. I'll start it off. Go for it, Phil. Okay. Uh, There have been a few situations. Uh, um, but uh, one in particular that I can remember was uh, in my college days, uh, I was having some difficulty with a rehabilitation counselor as far as uh, supporting me in uh, going to college. And he was opposed to me going to college. He just didn't think I could do it. And he was opposed to me getting into uh, 
the career that I wanted to get into. So my um, uh, my mother had to end up paying my tuition for that first quarter at Georgia State, and I kept on, I kept at it. I worked uh, real hard that first quarter, and I joined the radio station there. And after that first quarter and my grades uh, came into the uh, counselor, I sent uh, my grades to the counselor and I told him what I was doing. He felt like, well, you know, this guy is serious about wanting to get into the broadcasting business. He's serious about wanting to get a college degree. So I will support him. And he did. Wonderful. Anybody else want to go? I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure that I was going to tell the story at first, but I'm going to do it. So um, I hope it's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Yay, Mika. You so, can do it. You can do it. So um, my, the time that I had to advocate for myself was when I was just taking my first, like, real, like, super big full-time position. It is the one I was hoping you'd tell. <laughs> <laughs> that I would eventually have to move away from Bremerton for. And um, I had taken a drug test, and the drug test came back positive. And I knew that I had not taken anything, but what do people do when you say, oh, that can't possibly be right, I didn't take anything, why is this drug test positive? Um, so HR basically slammed the door in my face and said, you're not going to have this job. I was preparing to leave um, to kind of to really uproot my entire life after the weekend. And here we are the week before. And now they're saying I don't have the job anymore. And um, so after I had a little freak out session, because sometimes you just have to do that with your friends, um, I... I just took a deep breath and I just started calling Pete and I called and called and I called um, the actual testing center eventually that had gotten like that had gotten my urine sample and she listened to me and um, and then we discovered that the sample was from a person that had my name but with a different spelling and a different birthday. And that was the sample that had been, that um, it had gotten confused with. So, um, but before all of that, before the results, the end result happened, I just remember calling the chair of our advocacy committee, Sue Amateur at the time. And I said, okay, Sue, this is what happened. I've done this, 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 and this. And what else do you think I should do? And she said, wow, you just made my job really easy. Um, you already did what, everything that you're supposed to do. Just keep me posted. And that's the beauty of being a part of a consumer organization. Um, because because without, without having been in WCB and ACB, I don't know that I would have had the tools to do that. And... Uh, they apologized to me all over the place, and HR said, "Oh, do you st- please, if you please take the job, please say that you still want the job." And I made them sweat. Like obviously, I was going to take the job, but I did make them sweat a little bit. So, <laughs> yep. So got her the job, and she moved to the other side of the water. I did. But I was so proud of her. Um, so, uh, either of you want to share anything, and if not, we'll just continue to moving on. 
I, okay. um, go ahead, oh, lady, go ahead. La- ladies first. Um, I don't have anything super specific to share, except that um, when I was fresh out of high school and I was 18 years old, I went to college the first time and I really um, struggled because I, even though I had been legally blind my entire life, once I left the comfort of the school system and I struck out on my own, um, I didn't want anybody to know about my vision or lack thereof, even though it was very obvious. I mean, there were, <laughs> you would know. And, um, but yet I, I didn't realize that, I guess. And so I was really in denial and I was trying to hide it. And I really performed poorly at school and I flunked out the first time. And it wasn't until um, I really started to grasp that being blind or visually impaired, it's not a, uh, it, it, it doesn't make me less than, you know, once I really understood that and began, I was able to embrace the fact that it's perfectly okay to be visually impaired or blind, that I had every right to be in school and ask for accommodations. And it's much more forgivable to look blind than it is to look drunk. And when I was walking around without a cane and walking into things and walking up and apologizing to mannequins, I didn't look blind. I looked drunk. <laughs> so I figured, I figured out that it was much more acceptable um, to have a cane. And, and it makes so much more sense to people that, Oh, she just can't see. She's not an idiot, mm. you know, or yep. whatever. So, that really was pivotal for me when I first started to grasp that and understand it, I think is when I really started not fighting it so much. So it's so not necessarily we, about advocacy, but, but I really well, I learned is, how you know, to, I came into this, this period of acceptance. It's, it's kind of like we, we advocate for ourselves to others. You mm-hmm. advocated for yourself to yourself. Yeah. In a sense, yeah. I guess you could say you, that. Yeah. You did. Very good. I can relate to that. Me too. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, everybody yeah, has to yeah. come into that that moment, that comfort level yeah. at, at your own yep. point. Yep. It, it happens different times for different people. The aha. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Tyson, did you have something to share? Uh, yeah, I did actually. Okay, go for it. It was it was back when I was at CSUN, and I'm I'm trying to re you know trying to reinvent myself as now a, a newly visually impaired person. And the Oviat Library was very, the website was very inaccessible in trying to locate books and order them and, and get them ready to, to go because I was a, at the time I was a history major. And I go up to, I, so I, I, you know, pulled up my britches and said, I'm going to go speak to the head librarian and I'm going to get this sorted out. And I walked in there, you know, just, just sails full of wind, ready to go. And I said, you know, this is the problems. And I started laying out. She goes, okay, I'm not the person you need to talk to. I really need you to talk to this other person and all the way down the basement. So they called down there and they said, yeah, send me, send, send them down here. I got some time now. So I went down and talked with Sue Cullen and, and I got down there and I opened up my laptop and I said, this is the problem I have. And this is what it was. And I went through all the things. My spiel was laid out on why this, this website was so inaccessible to those with visual impairment who needed to order books. And she kind of sits there and she goes, that's, that's, that's awesome. Can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, I, sure, I'll come back tomorrow. I'm on campus. 
walk in the next day and there's four other people in that room. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, go ahead and go through again what you did yesterday. And I went through the whole spiel. She just goes, okay, well, these are some people who, who are, you know, responsible for web design and all that kind of stuff. But, but I got another question for you. Do you want a job? And wow. that's, how I came, that's how I came to work for the, for the CSUN UDC. So you by, advocated is, for yourself and got a job. And got a job. <laughs> that's awesome. Very good. I'd call that a success story. All right. I would like to know what is your current leadership role in your affiliate? And Melanie, why don't you go first? Um, I serve as president of our um, Tri-State Library Users Division here in Louisville or in Kentucky. Okay. Okay. Very good. So you're like like at the chapter level, right? Correct. It's a chapter. Very good. Okay. And Tyson, what what leadership role or roles do you hold right now in your affiliate? I currently serve as the second vice president for the Springfield District Association of the Blind, which is the local chapter for the mm-hmm. Illinois affiliate. Uh, but within the affiliate at the, at the state level, I, uh, I'm the membership chairman, and I also was just recently appointed to the board of directors uh, in the last several weeks to fill a position. Uh, so sadly, one of our members uh, passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. All right. Thank you. And Phil, how about you? Uh, oh, okay. Well, currently in, the, in my local chapter, I serve as second vice president, and I'm also first vice president of our state affiliate. Very good. Thank you. Mika, how about you? I am the president of the South King Council of the Blind, which is our local chapter, and I am first vice president of the Washington Council of the Blind. Very good. Thank you. And if you could name one person who has had the one person that's had the biggest impact on your life uh, up till now, who would it be and why? And who would like to go first? I will. Uh, okay, go ahead, Phil. <clears throat> the truth is there have been so many who have had a real impact and influence on me in my life and have been such an inspiration to me. But I, I guess, you know, if I w- wanted to pick somebody. Yes, one uh, person. One person. Thank mm-hmm. you. I wanted to make sure about that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's somebody I, I've never had the privilege of meeting. I only, I've only written about him, or excuse me, read about him. And uh, that is the blind author, Vade Mehta from India. Um. Uh, who came to this country in 1949 at the age of 15 to study and go to school. He had passed the, what they called the fourth standard in India. And uh, that was as far as he could go. They didn't have anything for blind people in, uh, in India that went past that fourth standard. But, he came from a uh, family whose uh, his father had been trained in uh, Western philosophy and Western medicine. His father was a doctor, and his father really wanted something better for him than just going by the fourth standard and him becoming maybe a beggar or something. So he came to this country 
and he went to the Arkansas School for the Blind, and he did really well and graduated and uh, went on to college here in the United States and also went to Oxford over in England. And that, uh, he became a real famous author. And I think what I really admire about him was the fact that he had so much to deal with by coming to this country and learning and adjusting to blindness as well as to an entirely different culture. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you, Phil. Who would like to go next? I would. Okay, go ahead, Tyson. So... Uh, probably the person who's had the, the, the biggest impact on my life. And, and it really, when you think about it, it's, it's strange how it does is my dad. And sadly, my dad was never in my life. Uh, I grew up without him. My mom divorced him when I was just, you know, less than a year old and I never, I've never met him. Um, but through the fact that I didn't have a dad and I grew up without one and I, I, I had, you know, everybody around me had dads and they, you know, so they played right. ball and they did this. And it really told me what, like how I wanted to be with my kids, that yes. I would not let them grow up without a dad. Very good. Yeah. Thank you, Tyson, for sharing that. And me, Melanie or Mika, do you want to share? I am. Um, gosh, you know, it's, it's just so tough to narrow it down because it I is. had so many good people who have brought um, a lot of insight and joy into my life and a lot of lessons along the way. But I keep coming back to a guidance counselor that I had during um, my early high school um, at the Kentucky School for the Blind. I uh, was there for part of the time, and she, um, she and her husband took me kind of under their wing and really uh, just spoke life and affirmation into me during a really pivotal time in my life where I could have, um, you know, I could have just really gone off track, Um, but they really uh, just bolstered me and and helped me to, I think, um, just figure out what I really wanted in life. Um, So yeah, they were really good people. Very good. Mika, do you want to share? I do. So, um, at the risk of embarrassing you, (laughs) um, so you have been the biggest impact in my life. You have, honest to goodness, seen it all (laughs) Uh, from when we first met, you know, when I was 20 to when I moved out to Washington when I was 21. Um, But you have really shown me about the importance of, of just going for it and doing things, even if it scares me and, um, and, you know, just grace under fire and, you know, just, and everything happens for a reason and just watching you as you've gone, moved up in with, within WCB and, um, and then just really seeing you step out and, and really get your dream job and accomplish such really wonderful things. Um, you have made the biggest impact because you are you are always so graceful and so friendly and so kind and and just incredible. So I'm Aww. I'm really thankful. Oh, I did not pay her. <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> really? Okay. Thank you, Mika. And I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> anyway, um, 
So what I would like to do next, oh my goodness, okay. Uh, what, so think about this for a second, when and what was the first community call you attended and what was it that brought you to it? So does anybody want to go first? Does anybody remember that first community call? May I take that? Of course you can, Phil. Well, thank you. My first community call that I attended was the first one that you held. Um, and I think that was the afternoon call, if, I, if I'm, my memory serves well. Um, as to what brought me to it and all the other calls, well, I, I uh, knew that uh, we were all going to be kind of isolated because of the virus and everything that we had to do. And I uh, really did not want to go through that being uh, isolated. And that's one thing that brought me to the call. And another is the fact that uh, so much at last year's convention, we heard about, you know, ACB members need to get to know each other better. Affiliates and, uh, and the national organization need to, need to get, get start con- connecting with one another. And, of course, the conversation I had with you last November about membership. Uh, so it was really a number of factors that brought me to it. And I'm just uh, so glad that I did. Well, I am too, Phil. Anybody else want to go next? Okay. Oh, go okay, ahead, Melanie. Oh, you, no, you go ahead, Mika. Okay. All right, Mika, you go, go next and then Melanie. I mean, it feels like about a million calls ago. <laughs> it, it, not quite, but definitely over 400. <laughs> Closer to 500, probably. I mean, was yeah. it the coffee call? I don't even know that I necessarily remember. I just remember that it was probably the it was probably a coffee call, and where um, you know where we all just chatted and really started to get to know each other. Um, and the thing that I the what brought me to it is that, like Phil, I didn't want to spend this time just worrying and you know I'm an extrovert and I want to be out there chatting with people and so this was a real way to to form and strengthen connections okay Melanie um the first call I think it was in April it was right after my birthday and um I do remember that much I think it was Mika's call I do believe on a Monday morning and um, I just, I, I don't get to participate locally in our, we have, um, these things called roundabouts on Friday nights and usually I'm working. So I don't get to participate and I don't get to socialize very much with, um, some of my friends locally. So I thought, you know, I've been seeing these emails, <laughs> so let me call and see what this is about. And I just knew it was going to be a mess because anytime you get a bunch of people in a zoom room, it's just crazy. Well, <laughs> I was very, very pleasantly surprised because, uh, Cindy, you have just been amazing with getting 30, 40, almost 50 people in a room and it being orderly and respectful and most of the time it's calm and <laughs> it is just amazing. <laughs> And so it was just a lot of fun. 
you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't serious. It was a good way to start my day. And, and it just helped me to hear the voices of all these different folks who kind of share the same principles and values that ACB has. And, uh, so I just kept coming back and then I started, uh, hosting one of my own calls and then I got involved in, yeah, so it, yeah. it's been We're going to get to that in just a second. That's wonderful. And you were a little late to the party, but boy, you've jumped in with both feet. Tyson, how about you? Do you remember when you first came to a call? I I do. It was was that very, very first community check-in call that was back Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. mid-March with with Phil and Mika and all them. And you kind of go in and you're quiet and you're listening to things. And I don't think I shared anything on that one because I was just trying to feel it out. What was this all about? how is this working? And, you know, is this going to be just a bunch of chaos or, or what? And I, and, and hearing the different people and, and I got to echo what the, what Mika and Phil said with, you know, you're isolated and you don't want to kind of hang out by yourself or, you know, diving down the rabbit hole of YouTube all day long or Netflix. And you just looking for something else to do. And like Mika, I'm a huge extrovert. So it just, it was like, this is something to do and it's kind of cool and it's fun and these people are neat and there's so much to learn about people. Wonderful. So the next question I have written down is what have these calls meant to you? So I'm actually going to let Phil answer that question. And then I have a question for the other, the rest of you, a little different question. So Phil, what have these calls meant to you? Oh my goodness. They have just meant so much good to me, you know, and the thing that I've been so impressed about is how we all get along so well. I think it just really, in, in, in the, with the so much chaos and hate and everything going into the world right now, this is one of the bright spots, and it just really has made a tremendous impact on my life. And, you know, as I, I've met some of you, uh, at conventions in the past, Cindy, I know I've met you on, on, on several occasions and I've met others that uh, have been on the calls and there's always been some kind of a desire in my heart to want to get to know these people who I meet at conventions and, and to, to, you know, hang out with them a little bit more than just at conventions, which is really impossible to do uh, uh, in person. But so this is really a tremendous, tremendous opportunity, uh, not only from a social standpoint, but all the other calls that I've have been on. I mean, I've been just a real learning experience. You get so much information about what's going on. And, you know, because of the uh, the calls about the convention this year, I think I know more about it what's going on in the convention or what will be going on than anything else. I'm, you know, I think the only thing I'm waiting for as far as that goes is to know what channel was going to be airing what. And yep. Is, but, but, um, and you'll know anyway, it in time. As far as, goes, <laughs> uh, as, far as um, it, it just meant so much to me. I, I think that I know all of you people, now, a whole new group of friends that uh, we can go to anytime, and I'm going to try to be on as many calls as I can without missing any more than I had to with that one. I will have to, I don't know how we'll be doing in July and August, but uh, because of my uh, 
cochlear implant surgery. I will have to miss maybe you know, uh, maybe just a couple of calls at the most, but uh, but uh, who knows? But really, all of you, I just feel very comfortable with with all of you, and uh, hope to spend many more hours with you. And by the way, can we have another hour of this program, do you think? (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's wonderful is, um, and and I know everyone on this call knows this, that we just picture you and where you're sitting at our table right now. We know you're not sitting in any, just any chair. You're sitting in your rocking chair, right? Yes, I am. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very relaxed. (laughs) That's good. I, That's the way think, it sh- should be. <laughs> I think we need to start the Uncle Phil Rocking Chair Society. There you yes. Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So the other three, you guys, I know that the community calls have meant a lot to you as well, but you have also meant a lot to the community calls. And um, uh, Mika, you were one of the first that said, uh, I would like to do a coffee social too. And it was probably about a month in. And uh, and so you've done that and you've also been helping with hosting and oh my goodness, you are my right-hand person when I need something open and started and somebody to rescue me, Aww. my rescuer. <laughs> um, what, what was it that has you know, why have you stepped up so much to do at so many things about, and then you're going to be hosting at convention as well. So what, what really drew you to that? Um, really, I just, I wanted, I, I really wanted that first coffee social um, on Mondays because I just couldn't get enough of our coffee socials in general. And so I was just like, let's do more. I love it. And I just, I love working with people, but, and chatting with people, but also I think that whenever you have an idea that you want to bring to the table, that you should also be willing to be a part of bringing that idea to fruition. Mm-hmm. And, and Tyson, what about you? You, you are now doing also a coffee social, but you started doing stuff before that. And, and also helping host, and you're going to be working at convention uh, behind the scenes. So what, what, what made you want to help out with these community calls? It, it started out, remember, I said, I said I'm a teacher by nature, and I've been it for so long, I don't honestly know any other way to be. And I kept hearing people talk, we, we talked about tuning into ACB radio through the Victor, and resoundingly through those calls I kept hearing what's the victor what's this victor you're speaking about and I said I know what this is and I'm really good at it and I think I can teach it and I reached out to you and said I'd like to do some presentations because you would ask for those if you have something to do um, or if you know something really well and you would like to present on it you know just let me know and I think I sent you an email about two days later because I thought about it and what I wanted to do but the feedback from it, uh, and it was really early on in in the, in the mm-hmm. it was, I think that was like like really early April, and uh, the feedback I got from that was was really encouraging, and it wasn't just the feedback of like oh you're really good at this and all this kind of stuff. It was like I'm finally understanding how to use this stuff, and it gave me a sense of purpose again, 
where, you know, instead of just being this guy who's self-unemployed and sitting here, you know, looking for work and, and not finding it and, and, and all these kind of things and feeling really defeated that I found um, a place. I found a place where I felt needed and I felt wanted. And that gave me more than anything that I could ever give back. Um, and it just kind of blossomed from there, you know, to, to you know, being poked and prodded into doing a Friday Friday coffee call and, and then hosting all those amazing things with you and Mika and the games and the, and all that Gaming stuff. Labs, it just, yeah. Yeah. It's just, everything's kind of blossomed from there. And it's, it's just been amazing just from that one moment of saying, you know what, I'll step up and I'll do something because I can, because I know it. Fabulous. And Melanie, you were late to the table, but not late to uh, jumping in and, and coming up with ideas. In fact, I don't know, you probably were coming for about, three weeks maybe and then you said I would like to do a coffee social on a Saturday morning because there's nothing on the weekend and Mm -hmm. I would like to do (laughs) a a craft a crafty chat and so tell us about what those are looking like what you know what they've because you're giving up some of your weekend to do things for our community and so why and what are you getting out of, especially your crafty chat? Um, it seems to be really taking off. So, Oh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, more so than I ever thought. Um, so with the Saturday morning coffee chat, it's called the weekend wind down. And I, I just wanted to do something on the weekend because I do work during the week. And it's often hard for me to stay on the entire call. Um, and so... I, you know, I thought it would be fun to get together on the weekend. And I think a lot of times that's when people are even more isolated, um, you know, during the weekends. And so, I, I don't know. So, I really enjoy it. We have a lot of fun on there. And uh, I look forward to it on Saturday morning. And then, um, I am an avid crafter. My main craft is crochet, but I'm always trying different things and I've spent more money on craft supplies than anybody has any right to do, but, but I love sharing it with people and I I love learning from other people. So it was partly a selfish endeavor just because I I love hearing what other people have to share. Um, So on Sunday afternoons at 2 p.m. Eastern, um, my friend Kayla Allen and I, who, you know, I, I, she deserves way more of the credit than I do. I just had the idea and got it started, but she has, just totally um, supported this so much and done so much with it. And she's really helping it to grow. I'm kind of behind the scenes um, helping, you know, moderate things, but um, she's just been really instrumental, but we've had um, a couple of chats about very, um, I would say simple one-off craft type things. And maybe not simple because we did origami one weekend. That was not simple. It was not. But, <laughs> but uh, I did finally master that blossom. Did you? Yes. Oh, good I did, you. finally. Wow. Um, but in any case, so, you know, we do be, we've done a couple of one-off crafts. And then um, this past Sunday, another lady, uh, Courtney, taught us the beginning stages of loom knitting, a very introductory course. And that is just such an easy I shouldn't say easy again. It's not necessarily easy, but it's very accessible um, as far as crafts go because it doesn't take a lot of um, advanced skill sets or 
a lot of, um, you know, expensive tools and equipment. It, it's easy in that regard. So anyway, so she taught the first loom knitting class on Sunday. And then on Sunday the 12th, she's going to teach a second one. And then we've got, oh my goodness, we're going to do card making yeah. coming up. And then I think we're going to do knitting like needle knitting and you name it. And then we're going to get into some stuff for Christmas. And it's just really taken off. We have a Facebook group and an email list and people are, are just, the feedback we're getting is just phenomenal. People well, love it. Speaking of Facebook, I just want to share that because of the success of these community calls, our community events, a few things happened earlier on in in the process. Uh, we had to go through growing pains, of course, but we started an email list where we can share a daily schedule each morning so people have easy access to the calls for that day. And then I also share a uh, a sneak peek to the next day. So uh, if anybody is interested in subscribing to that, you can send a blank email to acb-community-events-subscribe at acblists with an S at the end, dot org. But really something cool that's happened is our Facebook group. People wanted a way for us to stay connected and outside of the calls. And so we started the ACB community Facebook group and that just continues to grow. I know it's near 700 now and it's just been two weeks that we've started it. And what I, I guess, I don't know about you guys, but what I'm loving about it is just such a positive atmosphere um, yes. and people lifting up each other and encouraging one another and, I, I just feel like, you know, if I could if I could create a community, what would it look like? You guys, we are living in that community now. You know, it's pretty amazing. And it really is about each individual, including each one of you. So we don't have a whole lot of time left, but uh, about five minutes. I want to ask each of you to give me one of your best qualities. So, um, uh, Tyson, name one of your best qualities and why. I, I knew you were going to call on me first. I, you betcha. <laughs> um, see, I was going to say it's my curiosity, but that's actually a detriment because I start doing things and I take on too much. Uh, if I have a if I have a best quality, I'm going to say it's probably just um, my ability to connect and talk with people and just get, you know, get them to open up all right very good and mika why don't you go next uh, my best quality is my <laughs> i believe is my sense of humor i'm really good at making people laugh even if you don't want to all right <laughs> and phil what's your best quality well i believe it is uh, that i am I try to be an understanding person because I want to be understood and I want to try to understand everybody and, you know, what they're going through. All right. And Melanie, what's yours? I think my best quality is that I never meet a stranger. I make friends with just about anybody and everybody. And I think that, um, it makes it easy to bridge gaps. 
Beautiful. All wonderful qualities for our community, for sure. If you could have one redo in your life, what would it be? Anybody want to share one redo in your life? I will take okay, that Phil, first. Go ahead. Quickly, because right. we're, we're would, short on time. Right. I would be willing to uh, be a little more interdependent to lead to being, uh, to lead me to being independent. Okay. Anybody else want to share? My redo, this is Mika, my redo would be to talk with more people um, before I decided to go to college the first time because I think I, it would have gone better. Okay. Anybody else? I agree with Mika 100%. I would mm-hmm. totally figure college out the first time. Okay. Anybody else? Tyson, you're the only anybody else. Do you have a redo? I'm going to pass on that. Okay. All right. And this is an important question. Um, what would your banquet meal be on on next Friday night at our banquet? We're all going to be eating virtually, separately. This is not to share with everybody else. What is your banquet meal? And uh, who would like to go first? I will. This okay. Is Melanie, I will say that it wouldn't be chicken because that seems like it's every banquet meal. So <laughs> mine would be prime rib. Okay. <laughs> all right. Who else? Mika. Mine would be a good steak with mushroom, with like mushroom gravy and mashed potatoes All and right. lots of desserts. Mm-hmm. And lots of desserts because you're going to sit next to the person on our call the other day that said they don't eat desserts, right? That's right. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Phil or Tyson, would you like to share what you're going to have? I will. Okay. Uh, I would have a Whopper with jalapeno poppers and uh, some crisp cut fries and a Coke. He did say he was going to go to Burger King and get a Coke, too, right? Burger King and a Coke. Oh, my gosh, you crazy man. Phil, how about you? A seafood combo. All right, a seafood combo. I love it. (laughs) You guys, um, this has been an amazing time, and I wish we could do a whole other hour, Phil. I really do. Um, I hope that people listening in, have gotten a, a little bit of a feel, feel of our four special people, these movers and shakers among us, these people that work on the front lines and behind the scenes. They really are the heart and soul of ACB, just as each one of you are. I hope that you're doing your part and your affiliate, staying connected. And if your affiliate isn't doing anything to stay connected, contact me at community at acb.org. And let's try and work on a plan to help you guys stay connected. Connection really is so very, very important. So anyway, uh, enjoy uh, the convention. Thank you, each of you, Melanie, Phil, uh, Mika, and Tyson. Thank you for being on with us tonight. Take care. And this was and is and continues to be ACB in action.